My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. It's the Irishman in America with me, Jarrett Regan, and Marion McKeown usually over there. But of course, she has to take a holiday at some point, and she's amazingly managed to squeeze in an hour to talk to me about the big unanswerable US questions. Marion, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. I think it's quite fitting that there's time to take a suspiog, a wider lens look at what the hell is happening in America and what problems just aren't going to go away. Yeah, I think let's do it. As, as you said, I'm not in America this week. I am in West Cork, which is like being in heaven. Mm. And But I have been keeping an eye on things. And it is one of those weird weeks in America where unless you consider round two of the battle with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart, where they're slinging insults at each other across the Congress floor news, which isn't really, there, there isn't a lot happening. Mm. Uh, you know, I, and that's not to, to dismiss the Modi visit to Washington, which is important, and there are controversial questions around it. But it's, yeah, it's one of those weeks, I, and you feel it in the States as well, that People are getting ready to go off in their holliers. Congress is getting itchy. They're, the 4th of July is coming. And there's a bit of a restlessness, I think. So let's let's look at the big questions. Yeah, well, it is. It is hard, I'd imagine, for you too to stay, you know, interested. I mean, if it's hard for Americans to stay focused on it. I talked to two comedians backstage last weekend at the Comedy Store who freely admitted to me that they don't watch the news. And I was just like... I respect these guys. I was like, wow, you do not yeah. watch the news. I was like, you don't have a news app on your phone. No, they watch sport news. That's it. I wondered to start things off. Exactly wow. how much do you think Americans are pulling back and turning away, are actively disengaging from what has become more than a bun fight in terms of US politics? Oh, I think hugely. I think that there is. I mean, I'm just shocked. I'm still shocked at your two uh, colleagues. Yeah. yeah, your two colleagues, because, you know, news is comedy. Exactly. And I'm sorry, but like there, there's whether it's twisted or dark or bleak or whatever, you have to laugh, literally. Mm. Are you, are you and it informs everything. It informs yeah, everything. There's, like You're an observational comedian. You've yeah. got to observe what's going on in people's lives yeah. and the world. Like yeah, they the hadn't kept up with Boris and Partygate. They didn't know what was going on there. But I've like I get the sense I get is that there there's quite a few Americans that never mind oh, not reading absolutely. the article. They're not reading the headline anymore either. No. And I think and this is, I think, a really interesting point because people think that, oh, my God, CNN 
and Fox News and maybe MSNBC. And you have 332 Americans, give or take, and 332 million. Did I say that right? Yes, yeah. 332 million. <laughs> not, not 332, <laughs> unless something terrible has happened. Well, I'm sorry. 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 And 3 million watch Fox News. That's peak. That's peak. You know, on, on an average night, it might be 1.8 million, really? 2.2 million. Yeah. And about CNN used to have over a million viewers a day on average. That has dropped under the glorious stewardship of Chris Lich, who has just left, to as low as some, some shows don't even get half a million. And then MSNBC, which is the other sort of upstart in there, has about 1.2 million. So in all three channels, without getting down into the, the weeds of it, between them don't even hit 6 million. These are tiny you know, numbers. These are tiny numbers, even by British whole, standards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really more like almost as many people in the whole of Ireland, I would wager, listen to RTE 1 and 2 as all of America listens to Fox, CNN and MSNBC, which we think are kind of super dominant channels when we're back home and the rest of America. And I find this a lot when I'm traveling around, when you're chatting to people, they listen to their local news. Okay. The local news is where it's at. And the big one, the massive one is the local talk radio and Christian radio, because mm. Christian radio has, I can't tell you what big audiences it has, like all the local Christian radios. And then there are syndicated ones. I mean, somebody like Rush Limbaugh, when he was still knocking around, had millions of people, like millions of people listen to Joe Rogan's mm. podcast. Howard Stern used to get millions, but that wasn't so, that wasn't news. You know, mm. that, that was. Yeah, but that's a, that I remember this happening with The Daily Show, that this was a big headline at the time, that people are getting their news from The Daily Show. But clearly, oh, yeah. people are yeah. getting their news from Joe Rogan and from these yeah. alternative sources. And, yeah. you know, that obviously, what are the knock on effects of that, in your opinion? Well, the knock-on effects are that news is skewed. It's not news, it's opinion. And there's nothing wrong with that if it's fact-based. You know, if somebody is literally grounding what they're saying in fact, but when they're not, when it's grounded in prejudice, when it's grounded in sensationalism, when it's grounded in just getting your attention and keeping it and exaggerating things, when it's grounded in sort of Donald Trump. You know, when Donald Trump speaks, he doesn't speak to import information. He deliberately distorts information to keep his audience entertained and interested. Mm. So, and and there is a lot of that. And even, as I said, Licht from CNN, his view was that news should be entertainment. And it's a view that's everywhere that in America that, oh God, if you don't keep people entertained, they're going to turn it off. News is boring. No one wants to listen to news. So we have to jazz it up and put cowbells around its neck and what have you. And it, there is, it's insulting to Americans' intelligence. Be, I mean, it might be insulting yeah. though, Marion, but they're, they're, they're just, maybe we've just not seen the shift in the axis of what is news and what is politics. Mikey said yeah. to me the other day that for the next big candidate, the next big vote getter, that The Rock is somebody that he thinks people would vote for ahead of any of these old yeah. men in suits. <laughs> and I just thought it's so, so true that the shift right. is towards Zelensky is another example of it. Yeah, he's a, he's a counter establishment hero, but for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Is that is it possible that that's actually where the Democrats should be looking next. Who is the Schwarzenegger? Who is the one that moves the needle, is a celebrity and speaks to all of those people, as we said, 
who are not getting their news from regular sources? Well, it's funny because if that were the sauce on top or the cherry on top, I, you know, I'm just laughing when you said Zelensky, I'm thinking, Charlotte, there you go. Get into get get into the aura switch yourself. Or indeed, it's all part of the, the master plan, Marion. It's all, it's all happening. That's my big announcement I, on Tuesday. I, <laughs> I, don't rule it out. I'm seeing possibilities there. Don't I'm, I'm rule actually it out. getting ahead here. I'm thinking very in uh, leaps and bounds. I think that yeah, they don't want Joe Biden. That much is clear. They don't want a decent guy who has possibly the most experience of any politician in Washington because he's been around for, for over 50 years. And you would think you'd say to somebody, OK, he was a senator for 35 years, whatever. He was vice president for eight years, blah, blah, blah. This guy knows what he's doing. They don't care. They don't want it because he's old. And his style of old fashioned decency is just not fashionable anymore. He doesn't throw slings. He doesn't land gotchas on people. But I'm trying to think with the Democrats who would qualify. I mean, and you're absolutely right, because that was why they they had this fantasy about Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Like mm. for years, I was like, oh my God, Oprah, please run, please run, Oprah, we love you. And then they kind of transferred it to Michelle Obama because they saw her as being a celebrity, but also as being a kind of a feisty woman who would not take any crap from anybody. And I think that's what the Democrats know they're wimps. They know they're little cowardly because they are wimps. Republicans are the other extreme. Republicans drool at the thought of a battle. They drool at it. And, mm. and where, but um, Democrats kind of run from it and they're like, oh, don't be so mean to us. No, but why are you being so mean? <laughs> so it is, it is kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, Gavin Newsom, to me, and we've spoken about him before, and I don't know. I'm going to float something now that we're just floating and this is our summer edition. I have been told several times that Kamala Harris is increasingly spending more and more time at her home in Washington, which is out near Mar Vista, out that way, or not in Washington, in, in California, in Los Angeles. And that, you know this because when she's home, obviously the Secret Service and everybody's running around when, when she's there. And, and we've spoken before about her lack of profile and I'm wondering, will she be vice president for the second term? Because if Joe Biden, if she were to bow out and Joe Biden were to bring in somebody else, that could energize his ticket. And I think that that would give also the whole everybody that one of the problems with Biden is they're saying, well, you know, not unreasonably, he's 82. What if he gets sick? What then? Does Kamala Harris become president? And a lot of people don't want that. And unfairly, because we've spoken about the reasons before that they don't like her and they some a small portion of her own making, most down to good old fashioned racism, misogyny and the fact that the vice president is the most lousy audition for being president that you can possibly have. So I think somebody, Gavin Newsom isn't a star, but he's tough. He's tough. He doesn't. He doesn't care who he offends. And he went. On, he does things that I respect. That as in, he went on Fox News last week. Now that shouldn't be a big deal to go on Fox News and talk to Sean Hannity, which is hardly the most taxing of tasks. But he went on and he basically made Biden's case for him really forcefully. And he said, "Well, look, you know, look at the economy. Look at the many jobs have been created." And he was. And when Hannity tried to pretend Trump had done stuff, he just went, "No, no." And basically, he doesn't take crap lying down. And I think that that's what a lot of Democrats like about him. Now, on the downside for him, he is white, rich and male, which is not the look the Democrats are going for at the moment. And he does have a certain arrogance, 
that comes with being white, rich mm. and male. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that that would be all that popular across the board. But I think that there's some emerging talent. The new governor in Maryland is is one to watch as well, but I don't think he'd be on the ticket. So I don't know. I think that that could be. But when you talk about having somebody like The Rock or, I mean, they probably love a, I can't think because I can't think of anybody who has that combination of toughness, mm. uh, which they need and star power. Who Potentially would, would, pre-slap Will Smith. Oh, no. Pre-slap, oh, no. pre-slap, no. surely. No, no, no. But like no, we're no. talking about, it, like it's irrelevant because you know his whole his whole point has changed. Like actually, it's, if, if the Republicans ever... might take him post-slap. Yeah, they might actually. Well, let me ask you this unanswered again. We're talking yeah. America's probably unanswerable questions this week. Is there? a chance that Biden will not run, even at this point? Like, is there a health scare big enough yeah. for him to go, no, I'm out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as I said, I think this is where the concern about Harris is. It's still, what, 15 months, 16 months away? I mean, he like anything can happen to any of us. But I think when you're over 80 yep. and the stresses of being president, now a lot of the stuff sure is done by everybody else around you, like a lot of the heavy lifting, but you're still the figurehead. And I think Biden, one of the things that he has done is he has by and large chosen very, very wisely with his cabinet and with his advisors. I mean, it, we don't even notice, but there's none of the drama. If we remember back, like literally from the day Trump took office, you know, three weeks later, Michael Flynn was out, fired, and it just went from there, one firing after another, after another, another controversy, three or four, he'd been through three or four chiefs of staff by this stage. There is no drama in the Biden administration because they have grown-ups in the jobs. And in a way that, that's equated with dullness in America. Competence is equated with dullness. So I think that you're absolutely right that there could be, there's always a chance, but there's always a chance that something might happen to Trump. Mm. You know, I mean, I know. Golf that ball that, to the head was what you suggested yeah, a while ago. That, that is the that is the wish of, and it's been said to me, but of Republicans that they don't have a plan, but they're hoping, <laughs> they live in the hope of a golf ball to the head. <laughs> but he could also have a health issue. As well, I mean, he seems astonishingly robust, but nobody knows. On like you're, it's he's almost eighty as well. Mm-hmm. So I am, um, I do not know. I don't see a deep bench. I think Gretchen Whitmer, who I've said before, the governor of Michigan, would be a really good choice because she's tough. She knows what she's doing. She has chosen her staff in Michigan really well. And it, she runs that state with a sort of no nonsense competence. So I think that she would be a good choice as well. In fact, she'd be my number one choice, to be quite honest. But I don't really know. I don't think Kamala Harris can run as a president because I don't think she'd win. I don't think she would have any chance because it's unfair, but politics is unfair. Okay, uh, So they're going to have to look deeper. Let's whip through these because I've got an let's awful lot of these questions lined up for you and quite a few suggested by the listeners. Great. What happens if Donald Trump is convicted of mishandling confidential documents? It seems like this is a slam dunk. It does seem like we had another kind of very angry tweet to us. I don't know if you saw that during the week about how much this is an open and shut case and that it's very, very likely that he will be convicted. What then happens, Marion? Okay. well, first of all, I have to tell the gang out there, don't count on it. Okay. 
don't count on it for several reasons. Firstly, let's assume the trial goes ahead at a normal clip and the first date that's been set is now August 14th. That doesn't mean anything. It could be delayed even in itself. There are a number of ways for them to, for Trump's lawyers to legitimately play this under, there's a classified procedure act and there are special protocols for bringing these cases that they could easily drag out past November 2024. Okay, so let's assume that that scenario A happens there. It goes past November 2024. The trial doesn't start until after then. And that even if he, let's say that he wins, or if not him, another Republican wins, it's game over. The Department of Justice will be told to just drop that case one way or the other. Okay. Now, if the case if the case goes ahead and he is convicted, there's a very good possibility that Biden might pardon him. That he might say, blah, 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 he's a former president, he's old, and we're not sending him to jail, <laughs> which be kind of funny coming from Biden. Where, did, where did you hear that. this? Look, uh, I, I, it, it's just, um, if you look at... He'd the, never be forgiven. Well, he, I don't know, because I think that there may be a sense that it might be what Biden would call healing for the country. Biden is not vindictive in any way. Now, yes, there would be a... a potential prison sentence it's every prosecutor that i've spoken with who's worked in the department of justice says prison time there's no way around prison time for this one even if it's just you know a short prison sentence in deference to his presidency even if it's an open prison even if it's house arrest that there there's no like there's no way that he won't get prison time if he's convicted but then the thing again is if he's convicted this all comes down to a jury now the case seems to us to be absolutely watertight there seems to be no the big issue is usually intent where and that was even with Hillary Clinton, where they said, we can't prove that she intended to do anything sinister. Yes, she was a bit careless. Yes, she thought she was Secretary of State. She could bring her work home. But she didn't intend to do anything sinister. Yeah, And I think that is, with Trump, though, they haven't rights on that one because we heard him talking. We heard the tapes. Hmm. We've got the smoking gun there. Yeah. So I think that that jail time. But a jury, like, is a, a jur- we saw OJ. You know, I mean, yeah. you see cases in, in the States where when celebrity is involved, you can basically, the bets are off. And this was what, and I know I spoke about him before, but I really do respect him as a prosecutor, Dick Gregory, who was the legend down in Florida, who prosecuted Noriega, who prosecuted Escobar. who pros- And he said, yeah, he said, with drug prosecutions, it's easy. They lock them up. And he said, with terrorism, they lock them up. He said, with your ordinary crime, no problem. And I said, well, juries, because of the mix in Miami and because of the mix down there generally of population of Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Honduras, Cuba, Russia, he said they come from countries that by and large do not trust their governments at all. And if the government brings a case against you, it's inherently suspect by the very fact that it's the government that's bringing it. So he said that it would be really probably quite tricky to get a conviction in Miami. And that's even assuming that Aileen Cannon, who not only has demonstrated Trump pro-Trump bias, but has no experience, is wholly unfit to deal with such a complicated case. And in, I think, anyone's view, she's only been a judge since 2020. Um, You know, so, yeah, so we will see. But, you know, the fact that Trump 
clearly has a very strong case to answer. You can't prejudge it. And the fact that the evidence is overwhelming does not necessarily equate a conviction. And even if it does equate a conviction, it doesn't necessarily equate prison time because there could be a pardon or there could be a special circumstance in deference to the fact that he is a former president. I mean, we saw that with Nixon where, I mean, we weren't around, obviously, but there was, the country was an uproar over for the Green to pardon Nixon. And then there was a decision that, well, you need to reunite the country. And it could be something that Biden would do where he'd go, we need to reunite the country. We need to bring people back together. And the best way to do that is to show all those Trumpy people that we're not actually out to get him, but they will know he broke the law. They will know he's guilty of these things and we'll take it from there. So that is a story that that is not cut and dried on, on any level. And then, of course, if a DeSantis or whoever wins the presidency, as I said, or Trump, that and the case hasn't started, or even if it has by then, it will be just scrubbed immediately. It, it won't be pursued. In April 2023, 9% of survey respondents said that the most important problem facing the United States was the high cost of living and inflation. Another 18% said that the government and poor leadership was the most serious problem for the nation. If we sidestep those, Marion, what is the issue you're surprised America isn't up in arms about at the moment? Okay, well, I think the first issue, which is the one that I'm always on about, is undemocratic representation. The Electoral College and the Senate, okay, are my two. I don't know why Californians aren't out protesting every day. And we've said this before. There are two senators. All the power is in the Senate. Yeah, sure, Congress waves its sort of bills around and whatever, but all powers in the Senate, all power for judicial elections, everything. So you have a situation where every state in America, regardless of population, has two senators, which means that Wyoming, half a million people live there, has the same power in the Senate as California, 40 million people, which subsidizes the whole of America, which pays the bills for almost every red state in America in federal taxes. Uh, You have 750,000 people living in Washington, D.C., who have no representation in Congress or the Senate. They have no representation at all. They get to vote in the president's election, big deal. But they, they, you know, and that's And the reason they are not, that they will not be given representation is that it's a very democratic, it's it's overwhelming. Like, I mean, Donald Trump got about 6% of the vote in 2020 in Washington, D.C. And Republicans know that that is two permanent democratic seats and they will in the Senate. And that's why they will not give them representation. And then, of course, you have the Electoral College which is the most profoundly anti-democratic system that anybody's heard of. So there's a fundamental inequality in American politics. There's a fundamental lack of democracy because it's not one person, one vote. If you live in certain states, again, like these small red states, like Wyoming or whatever, your vote is worth so much more than your vote if you live in California. And it is really unfair. And it's skewed that way to retain and preserve white power. Yes, and, and the, uh, you know, we've and, been and, through this a yeah, few times yeah, and but it's it, quite obvious that problem. that's what it is. But here's the other an- unanswerable question. Yeah. Is there any hope of changing it? No, because Democrats lack the guts. This would be a decade-long battle 
to get there and Democrats lack the guts and the fortitude to do it because they're afraid that everybody will be up in arms. And the problem is because if you, this is how you get a Supreme Court that has, you know, six extreme conservative judges. This is how it happens because it's not just the, the representation when it comes to passing laws, it affects everything. And Democrats should seize this and say, okay, you know what? This is something that we have to educate the people on. We have to show them how unfair it is and we have to change it. But they, as I say, they they won't touch it. They won't touch it even though they lost incorrectly and unfairly two presidential elections because of the Electoral College when they had the popular vote with Al Gore in 2000 and Hillary Clinton, who won the election by three million votes in the popular vote. Now, of course, Bush and Gore won legally, like they were legitimate presidents. I beg your pardon, Trump, what's wrong with me today? Trump and Bush won legally, but they they lost the popular vote. Like Trump got three million fewer votes than Hillary Clinton, but he's still president. So how is that a democracy? Mm. But even after that, Democrats said nothing. There were a couple of people going, oh, this isn't fair. But nobody took a serious look at what kind of strategy they would need to put in place to educate the public about this and to get them to maybe vote in a referendum or in a special election or something to get rid of this. And it's just not, and the funny thing is, can you imagine if it were the other way? And I've said this to Republicans and they've totally agreed to me. I said, can you imagine if two Republican presidents in less than 20 years lost the presidency, even if they won the popular vote, the electoral college would be gone in the morning. And they went, yeah, well, you know, yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> They're not denying it. <laughs> so, okay, but, um, let's yeah. swoop back around then, Marion, to a more topical subject and an unanswerable question. I would have thought that having drug issues in your family made Joe Biden a more relatable politician. Why is it that there's such little sympathy for Hunter Biden and his obvious demons? I think there's an exasperation with Hunter Biden. I think there's a mixture. If you look at all the big political families, the Bush family, Jeb Bush's daughter had dreadful problems with addiction. And I don't know what's happened to her now, but there were serious drug addiction problems in the Bush family. The Kennedy family has been ravaged by drug and alcohol addiction, you know, and we see it with Joe Biden, not just with his son Hunter, but his daughter Ashley also suffered from drug addiction. I think that there is sympathy for Ashley Biden because she hasn't basically traded on the Biden name. I think where people feel that Hunter Biden has just pushed his luck is that he has traded on his father's name. He has made millions, if not more, that he wouldn't otherwise have made. His job with Burisma, he had no experience in the energy industry, but he's paid 50 grand a month. Most Americans, the majority of Americans don't make that in a year. And here he is getting this. And, you know, and, and they, this is all proven. This is all fact. This isn't. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is. Yeah, this isn't conjecture. And so they see this as that. And I think there's also a thing that he's how old is he now? Is he 50? He's still that people will be forgiving of drug addicts in their teens and 20s. And then they're kind of like, oh, would you ever cop on? And they don't see that addiction is a lifelong battle or they don't. And there's a feeling that, you know, and I think it's also his life has been such a public car crash. In part, he wrote about it in his memoir back in 2016 and in part because of the laptop. 
And I think people just think, what kind of a moron is he? Like putting that laptop into a repair shop, forgetting about it. And as well, the photographs that have been revealed, I mean, they're they're not, they're just not a good look. They're mm. not a good look. It's somebody who's off his head with swinging a gun around the place, you know. Sure. So you're uh, saying to me, people would tolerate yeah. an Egypt for a son, yeah. but they won't tolerate a gobshite. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's exactly it to use your your my favourite distinction between yeah well it's yeah, like it yeah. is serious it's like yeah. on some level there is some like real truth in that like yeah. uh, somebody who behaves in the way Hunter Biden is behaving there yeah. there can be like yeah but you're the problem it's not yeah. you know your situation yeah. your poor this that and yeah. the other it's actually well you're creating some of this and yeah. you should know better and the patience has run out for that and I think there's also, and there is this thing, and where people forget that addiction is a disease, where they're thinking, for Christ's sake, would you cut your father a break? Like, he stood by you for all these years, now he's the president and he's still having to deal with your crap. I think that there is a bit of that. So, but as I said, with that laptop, I think had that laptop not come out, and all, as I said, pictures of him smoking crack with prostitutes in sleazy hotel rooms. And as well, the stuff like his, the way he treated his own wife, she wrote her book about it. He doesn't, he comes across as, yeah, a gobshite, mm -hmm. basically. And I think that people are not, like, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? Like, it, it, did the addiction cause him to behave like a gobshite or was he a gobshite? And, beforehand. You know, he, yeah. beforehand anyway. And, but then there, because there was re residual sympathy for him. I remember years ago, because those Biden kids, like, they were, he was in a car crash that his mother and his little sister were killed in when he was only two. He spent months in hospital. Um, he had a serious head injury and there was speculation that that could have had an impact on him. The head injury his brother as well the two they were toddlers when they hmm. were trapped in a car with a dead mother and a dead yeah. baby sister and so there you do like it's a traumatic start to life so i think that that there was sympathy initially but i think people just got weary of it in hmm. in the way that it's like oh for god's sake but now it seems that he has rebuilt his life to a degree that he has he's married he's living in california he's getting a fortune for his pictures <laughs> yeah, for his art and that he seems to be, but he's still, you know, you still kind of know that daddy's in there somewhere bailing him out. As it's he also has. a great whipping boy for or stick to beat Biden with it, obviously, that yeah. uh, this unruly kid, even though you know, Trump has plenty of them. We've got an awful lot more probably unanswerable American questions to get to, including how scared should America be of AI? Who shot Tupac? Do we will we ever know who shot Tupac? <laughs> what Very are the chances thing. of slavery reparations and gun law reform? Like, surely, surely the day is close. Or is there no mass shooting big enough to cause America to rethink their gun law? We're going to talk about it all over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad, where you can get XL double size episodes every single Friday. It's how we make the show. It's how we support the show. I'll be doing the rounds again on tour with Jarzilla at the final few dates. I'm going to Glasgow, Edinburgh, Liverpool, Armagh, Tralee and Dundalk. Dundalk, Edinburgh and Glasgow are all sold out, but there's a few tickets for those other dates. And in September, the Your Man Tour will begin. Those tickets are on sale. Two nights at the Olympia, almost sold out. Big announcement coming on Tuesday. It's not that I'm running for president, but it will be big. <laughs> but you never know. <laughs> I will let you know. Come on over to Patreon here the second half of the show. Ready? 
You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.